Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we show that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Here is your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to season number four, episode 19 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. Uh, This is season two with the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts, and I'm so thankful to be able to join that network. And we've got a special guest in studio with us today, and this is an extra special guest because it's the father-in-law of one of the directors of our network, uh, Caleb Rutherford. His father-in-law, Joey Davis, is with us in studio today to help us record an episode on mentorship. Uh, Joey is from the Roanoke Church of Christ in Roanoke, Texas, which is the uh, DFW area, uh, not too far from us here in Marietta, Oklahoma. So I invited him to join us on the podcast today, and I'm so thankful that he is here to help us out. Joey, would you like to uh, introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I am a native Texan. I grew up in a small Piney Woods town in East Texas uh, called San Augustine. And I'm married. I've been married for 33 years to Pamela uh, Tyndall Davis. And uh, we have three children, uh, Kaylin Rutherford, uh, who is Caleb's wife, a daughter, Sarah Davis. And then we had a son, Jaden Davis, that uh, died at uh, one month of age in 2009. Um, I have 12 years uh, service in the Air Force and law enforcement, information technology, and uh, after the military, I worked for a while in the uh, IT arena at Texas Instruments, Verizon, Texas Utilities, and uh, do some freelance uh, programming, Uh, but uh, I'm a preacher of the gospel. I graduated from uh, Memphis in 2004. And for the last 10 years, I've been at Roanoke, as you mentioned, in the DFW Metroplex. I'm glad to be here uh, today with you to be a part of the the great work that y'all are doing at Scattered Abroad. Well, I appreciate you for joining us for sure. And uh, you put a timestamp on things for me for, uh, you said you graduated in 2004? That's correct. So we met sometime around then because you actually tried out. Uh, at the congregation I grew up in, right. uh, and I would have been about 14 years old then. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, you do? Balk- okay. Balkhamville. Yes, sir. That's yeah. right. So uh, we certainly were glad to meet you then, and, and uh, good to kind of reconnect now that we're we're close in the same, roughly the same area. Right. That's great. So uh, Joey is going to discuss mentorship with us for the podcast uh, for this month. I've chosen this topic and and with Joey in mind because he's got some experience with mentoring young preachers in an internship program that they did for several years at Roanoke and I'd like to ask him about some of that toward the end of the episodes this month and this is something that I've long thought was a really good thing and is necessary uh you know preachers really can use the experience that is gained uh, when when an older, more experienced preacher kind of takes them under their wing and, and gives them that experience and that mentorship. And I think churches are finally starting to get on board with that, it seems like. Uh, I know I heard recently that uh, the Pine Street 
church in uh, Cross at Arkansas, which is a congregation I'm familiar with and uh, just north of where I'm from in Louisiana. Uh, they recently said that they were going to uh, hire Joshua Kennedy for an internship, and I think that's excellent. That's a, a really, really good idea, and I wish more congregations would jump on board with that. So that's something we're going to talk about in uh, these episodes. But before we do that, we want to begin by reading uh, Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. This is kind of going to be our main text for the uh, podcast during this month. Titus 2, verses 1 through 8. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, Titus. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a preacher, and he is really mentoring Christians as his role. And so he says that he needs to speak the things that are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love and patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an, an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Joey, this is really the basis for the older generations mentoring younger Christians, isn't it? It is, and that, that's exactly right. And uh, there's no shame in getting help, and um, especially uh, since that is the admonishment of Scripture. You know, some knowledge development is is very easy at, at a young age. Uh, just in my experience watching, you know, young preachers come out of preaching school. There, I mean, there's tremendous raw talent uh, and ability that, you know, seems to be natural or developed during the time uh, in school. Uh, but uh, wisdom and the ability to apply wisdom is really not something that you're you're born with. And a lot of the things you need as a preacher starting out, uh, you don't get in preaching school. And uh, many of those things and those lessons are, are learned only experientially. You have to experience it to get it and to understand it. And, uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be your experience, right? It, it could be somebody else's. And that's the value, I believe, of, of mentorship uh, in the arena of preachers as older preachers who've been preaching a while have experienced a lot of the things that a younger preacher will experience. And you know, they may be able to save you some grief and, and heartache and embarrassment. Pardon? Embarrassment yeah, as well. Well, that too, you know, and I think that's what Paul is. I think Paul understood that he's, and he's, that's what he's getting at. Absolutely. And, and I also think about, you know, context wise here in Titus, he's dealing with mentoring preachers. But I think, you know, we can also make a lot of applications here for general members as well, especially when we think about what uh, Paul is, is telling Titus to preach here. He's he's mentioning all these groups. He's mentioning the older men, the younger women, uh, the, the older women, and the younger men as well. So really, when we talk about the subject of mentorship, there's enough 
subject matter to go around, isn't there? There is. You know, the analogy of the human body compared to the church doesn't need to be lost in, in this. You know, if, if you're trying to develop and make healthy the human body, you focus on maybe muscle groups or, or things of that nature. And so you have groups within the body of Christ that need equal attention and sometimes focused attention. Absolutely. That's a, a really good point. So, Joey, do you feel like the church as a whole has uh, maybe not done as well at this as we are capable of? Maybe we have done really well at uh, I don't know, and it prob- of course it is going to be specific to individual congregations, but I guess if we would say the church on average, do you think that we're doing well at mentorship, or do you think that we have a lot of room for improvement? Uh, what What do you think? And, and if we do need to improve a lot, uh, how do you think we can correct this? Yeah, well, obviously, I'm I'm not a spokesman for the the church as a whole. You know, I've been exposed to congregations in my sphere of influence and my experience can't be a a testament to what's happening in the church uh, everywhere. Uh, Each congregation has her own leadership and they are responsible for member development, you know, of those uh, members in their congregation. But I, I expect that the majority of elderships, preachers, and congregations would agree that most of us do not have a functional leadership development strategy. And uh, many are doing something, and that's better than nothing. But Paul associates these things in Titus chapter 2 with things befitting sound doctrine. And so it should certainly be important to us. And uh, the older, more experienced, mentoring the younger, not less intelligent, but less experienced, uh, should be a priority in, in our congregations. Absolutely. And I, I remember in uh, preaching school, I think they had something called Titus II meetings for the, the ladies. And, you know, that's wonderful. We could really have Titus II meetings right. for all these exactly. different groups. But I remember Lindsay going to these Titus II ladies groups from times from time to time, and, and they take, you know, these principles that we're reading about here, and they try to uh, pass them on to the subsequent generations. And I think that is absolutely excellent. We need things like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, what about examples in the Bible of people who were being mentored by maybe an older, uh, more spiritually mature person? Do we have any examples of that? Yeah, there uh, there are tons of them. You, you well know uh, that. Uh, maybe just kind of hit the high points of the mountain on some of these would, would be helpful. Uh, I think of Moses and Joshua uh, to begin. One, and one passage that really stuck out with me is in Numbers chapter 27, uh, verses 18 through 23, where God instructs Moses he, he tell, about Joshua. He tells him to inaugurate him before the people and to give him some of your authority. And uh, that resonate, resonated with me because that's really the idea of mentorship, to, to build him up, to put him in a place uh, where he has influence and, you know, give him the authority or the work, whatever you want to call it, that he's capable of handling at that that point. So Mo, I think Moses and Joshua is a good example. I think that is, uh, when you talk about the word inaugurate, 
too. I think that's, I don't want to use the word ceremonial, ceremoniously really, but you know what I mean? It's important. Lay hands on him. There is that idea of, okay, this is a point where he's going to become a leader, at least develop toward that point. Right. So they they made a point to make sure everybody in in the congregation of Israel understood, hey, this is who's going to be taking the reins after Moses is gone. And we need to make sure and communicate things like that, I think. Another, uh, just kind of moving through these uh, quickly, I think of Elijah and Elisha. And uh, 1 Kings 19, verses 15 and 16, uh, God says, Elisha, you shall appoint as prophet in your place. And this is a challenge for older preachers when you think about mentorship. Uh, there. There's the potential there for maybe some jealousy or some reluctance to help develop a younger man. Maybe, you know, maybe you're afraid, well, he's going to take my job or something. Well, eventually, the younger generation are going to be the older generation training preachers. So I think it's helpful for the older to see this not as a competition, but it's an opportunity to develop and and develop them to be even better than you are. You know, the thing about Elisha was a double portion of what Elijah was able to do. So there's the amplification of one's ability in a successive generation. Right. I I think there could at least be a tendency, if we're not very careful, to have that jealousy. Well, they're putting me out to pasture kind of thing. Right. Uh, And for those that may not understand that expression, we do have some international listeners. Basically, that you put a horse out to pasture when he's too old to be ridden anymore. So, uh, you know, an older preacher or, or member or whatever may think, well, I'm being replaced. But, you know, we think about the idea of the finality of life, and we don't like to think about that, but we need to think about that, and we need to understand we need to mentor our replacements because one day we're not going to be here any longer, and that's just a fact of life. And we want to make sure that those subsequent generations are faithful because it only takes one, sometimes two generations before right. there's there's a complete apostasy and, and there's no even semblance of faithfulness left in, in the subsequent groups. Yeah, and when you speak about— a, a, and things being undone in a generation, you know, I look at my age group in the church. I'm uh, in the early fifties and there really is a gap in leadership at, at my age. And, you know, I don't know what it was that caused that, but one of the possibilities is a lack of mentorship. Absolutely. And it's, it's very sad and, you know, I, I remember growing up and seeing a big gap in my age as well. And I have seen a few come back, but I've seen most of them depart. And it's it's incredibly sad. So we've, we've definitely got some work to do for sure. Right. You know, just going through my list here as I thought about uh, this, uh, Jesus obviously is a great example of mentorship. Maybe one example from uh, his ministry, John 13 Uh, where he washed the disciples' feet. And a question that he asks that stands out to me is, do you understand what I've done for you? 
And do you understand this? That's, that's mentorship. You know, do you understand the implications of what you do? You know, how this is going to affect uh, the church? Th these are great questions. And this is a great question by Jesus here to test their knowledge and understanding uh, at a much deeper level, perhaps, than they were thinking. I love that example. And I, that's one of the most crucial things that Jesus taught us is he came in humility. He came in service. In fact, the Bible tells us he came uh, not to be served, which right. is what we might expect. I mean, he's right. God in the flesh. But uh, he came not to be served, but to serve. And if Jesus, God's son, can can do that, then how much more should we be willing to do that? Right. You know, if you think about the the typical religious situation in the world, you know, in Christendom, you know, very broadly speaking, right. not just the Lord's church here, but the the preacher it, or the pastoral system that exists in denominational religion tends to elevate the preacher. And that's just the opposite of the mentality and attitude that preachers should have. Rather than being over or above, a better idea is to come underneath right. and lift. And or or out, out in front, you know, kind of leading yeah, right. by example rather right. than, hey, look at me. Yeah, exactly. So Jesus, you know, was the epitome of service and men mentorship. I think of Paul and his mentorship of young preachers like Timothy and Titus. One thing I noted as you were reading Titus chapter 2, uh, Paul said, as for you, you know, and I, one of the things that I have tried to do in helping younger preachers in internship situations is to think about you. You know, it's not just about what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is not doing. And, th and those things are important. But what about you? You know, what are you doing to improve yourself so that you can be an example? So good mentorship would help a person to look inwardly and focus introspectively. Uh, you think about Paul and, and Timothy and just, you know, going through the letters that Paul wrote, looking at some of the things that pertain to mentorship First uh, Timothy chapter one and verse two, uh, a true son in the faith. You know, Paul reminded Timothy of who who he is. And, um, your parents sometimes would would do that if you're going out. Remember who you are, right? And uh, trying to influence your example and your behavior. So Paul reminded Timothy of who he, who he was and what an important role he filled. Um, he encouraged him to charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And I think it's important to note that he, he encouraged him to do that. You know, he gave him the the mental and spiritual support that he needed to be uh, faithful to the preaching of the gospel. Uh, Paul modeled a positive, product, productive attitude, you know, to, to these young preachers. Uh, he talked to him about how to conduct himself in the church of God, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, he prepared him for challenges to come. First Timothy chapter four. You know, this spirit uh, expressly says, "In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith." So there are challenges that are coming. You need to be prepared for. He he warned him, and this this one is is really I think important. He warned him about landmines. 
you know, don't entertain the old wives' fables and things of that nature. There, there are situations that exist in the local congregation that the preacher has to be careful not to get caught up in because they're landmines. Right. They'll, they'll blow up. Let me uh, write that down for a future podcast. <laughs> landmines in the church, right? There you go. <laughs> uh, he warned him. So he warned him about that. Uh, one thing that we often point out about Timothy is Paul told him, don't let your youth be made an issue. You know, and that's, that's, so a young preacher has the challenge of, I'm new, I'm a rookie, I'm just starting out. But look at, again, what uh, Moses did with Joshua, right? He inaugurated him before the people. He put him before the people and he gave him some responsibility. So an internship program or a mentorship strategy will help overcome some of those, you know, concerns that really aren't concerns about maybe youth. Um, First Timothy chapter four, verse 13, till I come, give attention to reading exhortation doctrine. And maybe we can talk more about this when we talk specifically about the internship. But uh, it appears as though Paul gave Timothy, you know, instruction, focused instruction of things to work on, you know, work on this, work on this. And that's part of uh, development. He talked to him about relationships. Don't rebuke an older man. You know, we're, we're the meat of what we're talking about today has to do with these different groups and the relationships within those groups. And so there are relationships like that in the congregation that can get, a young preacher off to, you know, a bad start or off on the wrong foot, you know, if his interaction with certain in these groups is not what it's supposed to be. Uh, accusations against elders. Now, there's a landmine oh, yeah. for you, knowing how to work with an eldership. And, right. You know, elderships aren't perfect, you know, and you, you have to understand that, or you can get crossways, you know, and hurt the work of the church in a local uh, com- community. And we preachers are not perfect either. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. Yeah, that's right. So a couple more things here about Paul and Timothy. Uh, In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, he said, You, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness. Again, reminding him who he is. And, you know, we as preachers are men of God. We are representatives of God in that capacity, and we need to do it to the best of our ability. So good mentorship will help. Uh, a, a young man see that, and then fight the good fight of faith. First Timothy six twelve, and then one thing I appreciate about Paul's mentorship, First Timothy chapter six and verse twenty, he showed a personal compassionate association with Timothy. You know, it wasn't a competition. It wasn't I'm concerned about you know you taking my place or anything. There, there was a genuine relationship of interest and help there and that's so essential well i appreciate you uh pointing all those out and and we could have listed so many more examples of uh, good positive mentorships in the bible i also want to transition to this are there examples in the bible of people who failed to mentor the next generation and what were the consequences of that i'll go ahead and say this Yes, there are examples. Yeah, probably just as many. Right? right, probably. And I'll give one example to start us off, and then if you can kind of keep going with it. Okay. Uh, Eli. Eli, the prophet, 
uh, if we look at 1 Samuel 2, verse 12, it says that the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Now, I'll say this. Those sons did have free will, and we want to make sure and acknowledge that, of course. And the same would, could be said about you know just parenting in general. But at the same time, parenting also has an influence on the children's later life, and, uh, and there are plenty of biblical principles for that as well. So at the very least, we have to question the amount of mentorship that took place here in uh if we keep reading here in First uh, Samuel chapter two, we see a few things here. Uh, let's see here, verse number thirteen. The priest custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest servant would come with a three pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, uh, but raw. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires, he would then answer him, No. But you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Uh, We keep reading in this passage, and uh, we look at verse 22. Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So Harlots evidently gathering here, and these sons who were supposed to be taking over for Eli, they're committing harlotry with these harlots. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. So they're evidently leading others into this sin as well. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Uh, Let's look at verses 30 through 32. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. In other words, God intended for this lineage to continue, but Eli dropped the ball, to use the expression. In other words, he, he failed to mentor these young men, and God says, okay, uh, your household is going to be cut off in this capacity. Yeah. You know, you spoke about their free will. Uh, I would add, too, in First Samuel chapter 3, verse 13, uh, God said that in judging his house, it will be that case because your sons made themselves vile and you did not restrain them. Right. You, you saw what was taking place. You had the ability to influence them, whether or not they would have 
followed his guidance. You know, we don't we don't know, but it stands to reason that if he had mentored them the way that he should have, then he could have spared the trouble that the the kingdom and the priesthood experienced. Right, and perhaps you know, discipline as well was right. very lacking yeah. and. Uh, just going back to preachers for a moment, I remember being in preaching school and they would tell us, you better not neglect your own household because (laughs) if you get so bogged down, I guess, in the work of the church and you forget your own household, your, your children and maybe even your wife, they're going to be the, uh, stereotypical preacher's kids and maybe even wife. They resent you because you're not taking care of the home and it can cause some major problems. Maybe this is what happened in Eli's life, perhaps. Yep, I I think you're right, uh, right on target there. Okay, we're going to go ahead and stop our discussion there for this week. And Lord willing, next week we will continue our discussion with Brother Joey Davis on mentorship. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. That's the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.